song. My metronome song. Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the well-rested Kristen Pennington. <laughs> You're not the well-rested one. I spent all day doing fuck all and we have no show notes. So. <laughs> Running in blind. <laughs> Running on faith. I'm going to sing the entire, slept in. The entire all fucking day. <laughs> yeah. So I think technically we're both well-rested. Yeah. You uh, relaxed for an all of an hour. Yeah, I got, a, I got a whole hour and a half of sitting on the couch done. <laughs> I promised myself there would be no work done today. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Fucking slept in till 11, called my mom, talked with her for like an hour, got the grocery shopping done, and uh, played Battlefield. That was about <laughs> it. <laughs> Thank you, Jax. So <laughs> it's not an episode if it doesn't start off with you slurping in the corner. So what do you want to talk about? Ooh, um, I don't, I know we've talked about the move coming up, but, uh, I don't think we've talked about the fact that we've started actually packing, so it's like yeah. kind of real, real now. Yeah, we got boxes on the floor. Got and they're almost boxes. entirely just your books. It's just books. I was able uh, to stand on the boxes yesterday You were and able touch to, the ceiling. You were like, what are you, 6'2"? Yeah, 6'2". Yeah, you were able to almost entirely stretch out across them. <laughs> like your legs were hanging off at the knees. Yeah. But <laughs> just laying there. And it's, it's weird to like look at it all put together. Because like when it fills up the entire apartment... That's one thing, and th- but these aren't all the books. They're okay. I have boxes and boxes of unpacked books I because I ran one. out of bookcases, and Kristen has not packed any of hers yet. So there's going to be this would be the heaviest move in the in the history of people. When yeah, I, you get to lift those boxes. When I left, uh, when I left Japan, you have a weight limit on the stuff that you're allowed to bring back with you, and I had to like get rid of clothes. Because I had boxes of books, and they were like, you're about 30 pounds overweight. Oh, and I was no. like, well, I'm not going to just... I, I, I fly with a personal library. I like <laughs> to have it at home, you know? It's actually because uh, we've been looking at whether or not we're going to do like a real U-Haul or like one of those trailers you hitch to the back of a car, and there's a weight limit on the trailer. I'm sure there's yeah. a weight limit on both, but there's a weight limit on the trailer hitch that's significantly lower, and yeah. it's like a 1,000-something pounds, and I was like... I wonder how much the books weigh. Yeah, we're gonna. I don't know. I know about blew my back out trying to stack them up against the wall. So I mean, they're stuffed. And like when I'm going, when I was loading them up, I was like, holy shit! Because like I've hit stages in my life where I've read different things, and some of these books are books that you know I got from my mom or from my dad, or you know, you get them as gifts, or you steal them and never read them. Um, but yeah, I had like a whole section on like military history, and then there was like a whole section on like old poetry, and then there were like old cookbooks that I'd completely forgotten about. Um, at end of high school, early college, I was doing my year so that I could become a Catholic, and I have Bibles out the ass, and like little <laughs> catechism things, a big book that's just all about the history of the Catholic Church. It's like a weird dive through. Like, all the shit that I've read. Because I've read most of it, you know? Mm. Like, the the war books were more my dad's, and I have no interest in reading the autobiography of John McCain. So, <laughs> right now, at this stage of my life, or 50 <laughs> books about the Civil War. But, you know, 
You never know. I might need that information one day. <laughs> I'm surprised you were able to stack them. Like, I would think that it would weigh enough that the bottom of the box would have blown out. Oh, no. I'm, I'm a pro when it comes to moving. So, like, I've got, like, 15 straps of tape and... I kept the whole bottom as flat as I could and tried to stack them evenly so that I could stand on top of them like they were a third <laughs> floor last night. Yeah, you were literally, yeah. in, we have relatively high ceilings in the apartment. You were uh, standing on the boxes and tall enough to uh-huh. touch the ceiling almost <laughs> with the top of your head. You were just like a couple of inches shy. Yeah, without yeah, without doing anything. <laughs> it's just my, nice. uh My major contribution is I, I packed some of my camera gear this morning. Hell yeah. I have one significantly smaller box that I've contributed <laughs> to the pile that you cannot stand on. <laughs> yeah, it's slow and steady, but you know, seeing it um, on the floor kind of helps put it in perspective. Like, holy fuck, it's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I am not unpacking those books. So those books will stay packed until they need to be unpacked, you know, in a, a semi-permanent location. Mm-hmm. It's weird walking. I mean, there's still movies and like other stuff on the shelves, but it's weird like walking into the apartment and yeah. seeing the shelves so empty because they were like literally overflowing with books on books on books. It's changed the acoustics of the apartment. That's what I noticed yesterday. Like, it's more hollow. <laughs> yeah, sounding. it's more of a yeah. hollow over there when you're talking. Yeah, we had to turn the TV up louder because it wasn't like <laughs> padded on ones. <laughs> we were like losing sound. <laughs> I, I've, I've been in a, other types of apartments like this where people have the bookshelf and there's normally like pictures of their family or like them hugging their dog or like live, laugh, love or something like that. Um, and no, it's just mostly all books. They're actually kind of cool. I've never <laughs> lived in an apartment that had the shelving built into the walls like that. That is actually super handy. Uh-huh. I mean, if you want to like rearrange, it kind of limits what you can do the apartment, but it's like pretty cool having bookshelves that are like sturdy and built into the wall that and the bay window and the bedroom uh, were my two big points like i Mm. got in i was like i can put all my books there sorry for stealing the bay window and the bay window i was like i'm gonna write there (laughs) and now i work there yeah and now my writing desk is just overflowing i cleaned a little bit of it off i was like i'm gonna write it's like never mind it's just buried my my hollowed space has been filthified yeah i didn't realize how like we had how much we had clunked it up until I went in there this morning and I was like oh god like it's not even just the top of the desk like the floor in front of yeah. the desk was completely covered too I was like I should move some I went in there to edit the other day oh. like I think last week I went in there to edit and uh I walked in with my papers and my coffee and I was like nope <laughs> so by the time I fix this problem I will have lost all of my motivation all my work is happening <laughs> at the kitchen table I packed up some of it. Yeah. You still can't really sit there. Well, we're, in a, we're, we're in a transient period. My office is normally like pristine, but right now it's like we got shit all over the place because we're trying to figure it out. If it makes you feel any better, mine isn't cluttered, but the amount of dust and grime just caked <laughs> onto the top of my desk is pretty We're unreal. not dirty people. <laughs> We're not dirty people. Don't talk about grime in the apartment. Well, it's in front of those big windows. Because, like, I was like, the last time I sat down to... You were having a a war with a spider earlier. Now there's grime on your desk. People are going to think we're living in piles of our own shit. They're like, oh, these are not artists. These are fucking... I don't know. I feel like artists Schizophrenic homeless people. Artists generally are kind of cluttered people. And occasionally they're schizophrenic homeless people. No, because, like... I never, even if, like, 
some time went on in between like the time I would like sit and work at my desk. I never had a problem with it being so damn dusty. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, oh, it's all three windows. Like, Do the windows give you grime? But, well, it attracts, like light attracts dust. So I swear I'm not making I'm that up. Like to, sunlight. No, I'm going to need to see an essay on that. I don't believe that at all. No, I'm not making that up. I, I swear. think flat surfaces attract dust when they go untouched. <laughs> And dust settles upon them. <laughs> I've never I had a problem with my computer dust, being that dusty. I don't think dust is living a life where it's aiming I'm for the warm Google spots it. like a cat. I'm Google it. Where? where I'm going to prove it. I think it's probably the cats. I think it's, you know. No, well, it's not like grime, grime. That just it's like sounds dust. like something your, your mother told you to placate you as a four-year-old. If it's true, I'm going to be blown away. I started to put, does light attract? And it said, like, one of my search options was, does light attract fish? <laughs> <laughs> see, I could see that more than I could see the dust because, like, it would light up whatever the fish. I swear was to God, I'm not making this up. I think you're. Aha! Ha 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 ha! Slow down there, <laughs> fucking joker. Does the sunlight cause dust particles to spread in my house? Yes, the sun can cause dust particles to spread in your house because the sun's radiation heats the floors and walls. Sunbeams also make the dust particles in the air visible. The dust is flying whether you see it or not, but it does it does affect the dust. It affects the way you see the dust. Well, no, like it. Shut up. It does. It's not heating up landing pads for little dust molly. <laughs> you think dust is sentient? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You never know. Every, every time I like it's Windex like, those are, those the surface, are the, yeah. the dust particles are all screaming. Yeah, those are the those are the ants of the alien world. They're just driving those tiny. <laughs> shows up and steps on them and then they have to go floating around again. This is what happens when we have no show notes. We argue about dust. Talking sentient dust. (laughs) And all in all, that's all we all really are, right? We're just sentient dust. If we settle for too long, we just kind of float to the floor, man. This is nothing. (laughs) me trying to go philosophical logic. This is nothing to do with anything related to our podcast but speaking of whether or not dust is sentient it made me think of it um obviously coral is a living plant we all know that i'm assuming but uh i was at work and um oh fuck what is that tv show called it's that tv show where these dudes like build tanks for people it's on like animal planet or something if you watch tv building tanks on animal planet I think it's Animal Planet. I could I'm be happy wrong. I stepped away from cable. Like when the History Channel, the Discovery <laughs> not, Channel, not War Animal Tanks, Planet, Fish like Tanks. All... Oh, okay, cool. Fish Tanks, not War. Not <laughs> I was like, Army who tanks. are they building these tanks for? It's <laughs> like, okay, Army now tanks. we're going over to the Armenian <laughs> Army, and we're <laughs> going to teach them how to build tanks. Not Army these Tanks. These are the Syrian people, and we're going to fucking <laughs> arm them. Like, make <laughs> no, money off tanks. the war, bro. Which I don't know what the show is called, because I've only seen it a handful of times. But if you Probably watch TV, you know what I'm talking about. They're in they're like they own a super famous company and build these like crazy elaborate fish tanks for celebrities and really rich people and all this bullshit people anyway, watch that for half an hour at a time it's pretty cool though actually like the stuff they do and like they teach you like about all these fish and then they put like sharks and eels and octopus and all kinds of crazy shit in these tanks but anyway the point of this conversation is they were talking about um putting coral in the tank mm-hmm. and um there's like a process where you can like farm your own coral so you don't like 
yeah. go in and just disrupt an ecosystem. And um, she can't just go to the Great they, Barrier Reef with a pair of scissors and start fucking going at it. It's called like <laughs> fragmentation, but they abbreviate it fracking. And I had to like look that up because I was like, wait, fracking is when you drill into yeah. the earth. <laughs> but um, they were having a discussion about whether or not you could ethically cut off part of a coral and like start a new colony because coral like colonizes and keeps growing and stuff like that and you can collect from the mother colony and whether or not the coral feels pain so i was like oh this is super interesting which the answer is no coral according to them coral does not have a nervous system to feel pain if you cut it do lizards i don't know just thinking of other shit i'm sure you can cut off and their tails grow back but i'm sure like, if you chopped its head off, it wouldn't, like, oh, no. really enjoy that. You get, rid, you get rid of the head, that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> that, that thing is dead, but you cut, like, the tail off or... I'm sure it probably still doesn't feel great. It, like, grows back. Does it... I think they, they really, grow back their legs. I thought it was one of their tails. I mean, they definitely grow back. I'm, why are we talking about dust, coral, <laughs> and lizards? That was my interesting knowledge for the week, (laughs) talking about things being sentient, because coral is alive, but supposedly not alive enough to feel pain. Okay, cool. Let's workshop the idea. That's my workshop noise right there. (laughs) Vibrating the wires or the springs. The workshop hour. Um, What could you make sentient that would normally not scare the fuck out of you, but if it was sentient... It would scare the fuck out of you. Uh, that movie Tire. No, I'm just kidding. That didn't scare me at all. <laughs> Somebody has tried to make a non-sentient thing sentient. I'm going to think about it while you think about it. Mm. I mean, it's alive, but it's not sentient. The individual cells on your body. Like, if your own body was like... What if they making are its sentient? own decisions? Yeah, like they're just not. It's not telling the brain. Like the brain's not the one in control of it. Like there's like a small um, panel of cells, <laughs> like in the right palm or whatever. <laughs> it's like okay, body, that idiot over there doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Move all the parts. <laughs> I don't think that would last long. They go to war with each other. Mm-hmm. And they kind of do, you know. I don't know enough about biology to get into, into the, I was thinking objects in the world. I was like, it would be pretty well, no. terrifying. No, like I was thinking if, that's terrifying because be it's a part terrifying. of your body. You like can't you, escape You know it. that thing in the gym that you close your legs mm-hmm. with? If that became sentient and it just ripped both your goddamn legs backwards, like folded you fucking completely the wrong way. Yeah, like I was thinking of like shit in the room. You were like cells, and I was like, "Well, you oh, can't what? escape them. Like you can escape the gym equipment, just don't go to it." Yeah, but you can't no, escape no, once the cells you're there your and body. it's broken your goddamn legs, you're fucked, son. <laughs> I used that today, so that's kind of horrifying to think about. Because yeah, I can't um, extend it like as wide as it'll go because yeah. my legs won't stretch that far. So yeah, that would not feel good. That thing that you have to kick out to like build your thighs, like with a little roller that mm-hmm. went sentient and just fucking broke your kneecap, like, hooked into that shit upside down. <laughs> and that's the end of the workshop, this dumb concept. Don't do that too much. If you break my spring, the whole mic's going to come crashing down. <laughs> I like that noise though, so we need to get a clean... Why? And I'll, I'll because if if we have a clean one of those, then I can make a little song out of it, and it could be like a segment, like "Dom <laughs> Workshop That Dumb Idea." <laughs> <laughs> It'll get us off of conversations about dust and coral and 
gym equipment gym that's equipment. sentient. Yeah, <laughs> sentient gym equipment. That is not what we are. If you are sentient gym equipment, if you're out there in our audience and you're not a piece of dust, you're sentient gym equipment, you're also kind of a dickhead. <laughs> oh like my you, God. All you do is just focus on that body. <laughs> Choking. I don't know what the fuck to talk about today. <laughs> Mistakes I was depressed made. all day yesterday because of burnout. I purposely didn't work, and now I'm drinking beer. Aww. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm drinking wine this week. I'm back on the wagon. Back on the wagon. <laughs> no, you were like, I'm not, I'm not drinking tonight. And I was like, well, I'm not drinking alone. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to pressure you into alcoholism, but... Weighed myself at the gym. I was down a whole half pound, and I'm about to drink it back on. Fuck yeah. <laughs> We're having wings tonight, too, so... Goddamn right. The wings are definitely not an issue. Because, gonna gain that yeah. half pound back? Well, because of the way that we cook them. Like, mm. we're not deep yeah, they're not breaded. shit. They're just... But we're eating onion rings. The onion rings are a problem. They're tasty, though. What are they, Red Robin? Red Robin. Home. So. It's always been an interesting move, like, when restaurants do that. Because for me, Red Robin's onion rings were the only reason why I go into that establishment. And Red Lobsters, ooh, maybe it's a, it's those goddamn communists, those fucking Reds. You know? <laughs> red Lobster. Uh, the only reason I went in there was for the biscuits, and now I have a box of their biscuits and uh, you know, bag of Red Robin onion rings. I don't know if I've ever eaten. Why would you Robin? sell the only thing that I'm going to your establishment for in the first place? So that if you don't normally go out to eat, you nobody. Still... I don't think anybody I'm... goes to Red Lobster anymore. Not, not the one in town. <laughs> I'm not a big enough fan of seafood to go eat. No, but we live like in that. we live in Tennessee. I don't trust seafood for the most part in landlocked places. Yeah, yeah. It is a little hit and miss. I do like. Uh... Josh asked me the other day if I wanted to go to Captain D's for lunch. Ew. I was like, I'm not getting landlocked fast food fish. Ew. That sounds like the fastest way into the ER for like, you. You would think it would be really crappy, but they make it fresh for you. I am actually a fan of uh, certain sushi you can buy at the little kiosk in Kroger. Like the little dudes who set up yeah. the little sushi shop. Like eel. It sounds like it would not be good, but the oh, eel sushi is damn good. Eel's delicious, but I lived in Tokyo for like three and a yeah, half I don't years. Have so it's that like, level of <laughs> yeah, so. like go places and like get the the blue blue fin tuna. I, I always fuck that one up. Um, that shit will melt in your mouth, son. So if you're if you if you're in Japan and you've not tried blue fin tuna, <laughs> get the your ass off that base, son. The salmon, been been lately, uh, been, the salmon we've been making lately has been what? The salmon we've been making lately has been really good though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, frozen salmon. These are all interesting topics for that writers have nothing and filmmakers. To do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, we're not doing Two Star Tuesday, so twice a week we have to come up with well, topics. We'll probably, and I'm like, we might have a two star, because we got wing night, and they're, yeah, have, they're not even in the oven yet, so we can start it while they're in the oven and then pig out and do a two star. Yeah, so... I was going to try to tell you when that might be, but I have no... Yeah. At this point, I'm confused on when our episodes are releasing because I don't have a reference for Two and Star we Tuesday. We might not. Might get off of here and say, <laughs> fuck that movie, as we've done for the past say, three weeks. <laughs> waiting on the new lineup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just... that's sad. Like, we're going to have to 
make our own horror films so we can critique ourselves to get through the summer months. A smart move would be um, maybe have some that we could, like on dead months, um, have some that you almost have to go buy or stream somewhere, you mm -hmm. know, if you're a pirate arc, my matey. Um, and then I release those lists for like, hey, this whole month looks like complete horseshit. So uh, if you want to keep track with us, go buy tire. You know, you can get well, it for five ninety nine over here. And I was thinking too, because we still haven't gone to go see it, but we've been talking about going and doing um, the new Chucky movie. Like, mm -hmm. if we're in kind of a dead period and there's a popular film that's coming out, be like, hey, it's not a two star, but we're going to talk about. The yeah. new Chucky versus the old Chucky. Or I, I I would love to do that. That'd be we because we we kind of glossed over yeah, like we sort of talked about it, but we kind of glossed over it. Yeah, like we could have done like a discussion on it. Like we mostly talked about how you were mad about the fact that they replaced the well death. I, I got the same fucking issue with the Chucky movie, right? Like I. I was on Facebook the other day, and they had the advertisement for it. And that fucking thing's face, it looks like it, it's got a Botox injection. Like it, oh, yeah, yeah, it looks so stupid. Somebody posted up the picture of the original Chucky, and uh, they're like, yeah, this Chucky looks like a killer. And your Chucky looks like it, you know, gets kale slushies. And <laughs> like it looks like, like a liberal Chucky. <laughs> it looks like it should what? have a man bun. What? And ride a skateboard and, and tell me about the dangers of eating meat. I wonder. <laughs> I haven't like done any research into it at all, but I wonder because we talk about trends and types of movies mm -hmm. and trends and genres, like what genres are, you know, kind of making their comeback and which ones are kind of falling by the wayside. And that's actually like statistics you can look up and shit, like when certain genres are popular. I wonder if there's like a history of resurgences in. Um, remakes in particular because I feel like we're seeing a lot of remakes right now. It's very bothersome. Like I know there's been a fuck ton of controversy about the fact that they're redoing The Little Mermaid and they've cast an African American female as Ariel which is stupid that people are mad about that. Like I, who I've, gives a fuck what color her skin is? Immeasurable offensive jokes. <laughs> Don't. Don't. I'm 100% on the side of let that fictional character be whatever it needs to be and you know from a perspective of like i've got a niece who has a mermaid outfit and she's white and she can pretend to be a mermaid and if that makes a little black girl feel the same way yeah. then god bless i don't care which I, I i will say i do think it's a little silly <laughs> I saw another meme on Facebook oh, no. today. Oh, <laughs> it, was, it was Air Bud, but it was a chocolate Labrador. Oh. And so I a tree from, and I lost it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's a little funny, actually. <laughs> I will say, I do think it's a little silly. Because technically he'd be better at basketball. Oh! oh. I didn't even think God. of that. Aww. He's quick, the kid. <laughs> I will say, I do think it's a little silly um, adding diversity just for the sake of adding diversity. Like, oh, we have to cast, you know, an Asian character for this film. Otherwise, yeah, we're being if it racist. Yeah, it feels forced. It's yeah. almost more racist. Like, I do think that's know? silly. But, um, 
you know, I don't know anything about uh, the actress that was cast. I know her name's like Hallie Bailey or something like that. No shit. Fagan put out a post today where he goes, I just found out it's not Halle Berry. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. when he said that, I found out it wasn't Halle Berry. <laughs> I was so excited for Halle Berry. She's probably getting a little too old for that. An hour and a half of like swimming around. Ariel's like a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, swimming around with like a seashell. (laughs) Swimming from Catwoman. I was like, I was like Halle Berry. She was Catwoman. She was getting out of the water really slow in that James Bond movie, and now she's about to spend an hour and a half in a seashell bikini. And then I found out it wasn't no. Allie Berry, and I got <laughs> sad as fuck. <laughs> yeah, Ariel's like 16, so Halle Berry's probably a little too there old for that There was next to no chance that I was going to watch <laughs> The Little Mermaid as a 28-year-old man. <laughs> No, I say, I don't know anything about this actress, but I'm assuming like Ariel sings a fair amount. She was probably cast because yeah. she's probably got a great voice. So yeah. I like it's silly to be mad about that. But I like I, it is weird. The songs are gonna be so fucking fun because those songs, if I remember correctly, from the original Little Mermaid, are very like um, like soul, like mm-hmm. show tune type, you know stuff and that's, well, um, there's something about a black woman doing soul music that's just they get that like a whole other octave of just I want to say passion to it I, I, I may be totally wrong about this I haven't seen The Little Mermaid in a hot minute but I want to say the actor that did the voice of the crab Sebastian because Sebastian yeah. sings a fair amount too was Another so, sea. well I think he, I think he was also a, a a black actor so like it, yeah. it, i mean it's a little tr- more true to the original i don't know who's playing them for the mm-hmm. live action but a little more true to yeah the the feel of the original i can't hear the original crab's voice in my head because of that greg geraldo joke where he's talking about the two guys on the moving truck having the most hilarious argument he's like yeah, it's a kuna matata motherfucker and he goes no i like the other one under the sea gotten in your life when you're screaming in the street <laughs> and motherfucker in the same sentence <laughs> but he was, under the sea under the sea means no worries motherfucker no under the <laughs> sea the means that they're under the sea no akuna matata oh means no worries for the rest of your days <laughs> <laughs> but no okay the, back to the the it's question i was philosophy but back to the original I know you don't have the answer so I don't know why I'm asking this the original question I was positing like they've redone the Lion King yeah they're redoing I I will re-see the Lion King just because like I I think that the Toy Story was the first movie that I saw in theater Mm -hmm. Lion King had to be like the hard number two really yeah. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think I only, like, we owned I'd it on VHS. I'd have to ask mom because I have no actual memory of it, but I didn't. Like <laughs> <laughs> I do know I watched Aladdin and The Lion well, that's King another one. about yeah, 5,000 times. They redid Aladdin. Um, they're redoing The Little Mermaid. And then I saw Faith posted a video, which this one actually looks really good. They're redoing a live action of Mulan. Damn. I was like, like, we're in, like. That'll be very violent the... for the kids. <laughs> good though like the little trailer looked really good but like we're in this like era of like excessive remakes like yeah. i wonder if there's 
history of lulls like that where we fall off of original content. Well, and the interesting thing that kind of hits me there is horror has had its moment, and I guess it's still kind of on the back end of that moment, of the horror remake. Mm-hmm. But we've also got Jordan Peele doing what he's doing, and that new, uh, the guy who did Hereditary with this Midsummer movie, are uh, making like new classics mm-hmm. while the remakes are starting to die off. And now other genres are starting to hit the remake. I am. And if they touch The Godfather, <laughs> I will assassinate somebody. I am curious about the. <laughs> um, it's not spelled summer, it's spelled differently. Somar. Yeah. yeah like S M A R. Yeah. Like, I'm curious about that movie because I read that it was according to him. It's all a, set in daylight. Well, I read according to him it was a companion piece to Hereditary, so they're in some way. Yeah. I guess linked to each other, so I am very curious. I read an article um, about that movie as well, and he was talking about like rules for new horror, and I was like, synchronicity, that's all we've been fucking talking about. <laughs> Number one on his list, get out of here with the fucking jump scare. We're oh. done with the jump scare. He said there's one jump scare in Hereditary, like, and it is the most intense moment in that fucking movie. <laughs> That's you need. He was like, limit the jump scares, which is what we talk about on Two Star Tuesdays, where it's like you can't hit me with fifteen of these things in an hour and a half. Because hit they me once. Become very predictable <coughs> after you do, you know, two yeah. or three of them in the film. Then you're like, oh, like I know that's what's coming next. Fifteen minutes into Hereditary, you don't know if he's gonna try to scare you like that again. You don't know if you're just gonna be fucking sad for the rest of the film. You, you like, once he. That is someone I would like to like sit down and pick his brain because. Well, him did and he, did he write Hereditary? I want to say he did. Hereditary like, was. I stand by it. I, that was. That was probably my favorite fucking horror movie that's come out in a brilliant long up until the time. last five minutes, and I would like to know why. Like the tail end felt lazy to me. Like the whole rest of the movie was brilliant, and mm-hmm. then it felt. Like, so cliche at the end, like, oh, it's this cult. <laughs> yeah, well, no, they, they they left it. I think he was trying to leave it ambiguous, and I'd have to rewatch, I think, the ending there. So I remember there being a lot of discussion between us as that one kind of came to a, a halt. Well, you know? I read, I think, a bunch of articles, too, after we watched it, and it did kind of, like, verify that that was, like... The ending, like this was an actual like cult that was going on, yeah. and well, I don't believe in that type of stuff because once your art's out in the world, like it's open to interpretation for individual reasons, and well, I, other I feel... people can catch an angle of your story. I, you can't do the J.K. Rowling thing of oh, now all my characters are gay. It's like they. <laughs> That was a little weird to go why back not, and add that. Why not leave that up to the imagination of the person that's reading it? Why do you have to draw all these hard lines in the sand? You know? Which, yeah, I, I agree. Art is open to interpretation, but I, I also feel like if the actual maker of the film is like, this was the intention... Well, like then they that, should have made that clearer. They, I don't think you're allowed to come out after the fact and say, no. The point was... You but know, at the end of Hereditary, it is like all of those people that... What was it? She was. Did she go to like a grief counseling? What were those people from? I can't remember. I but think so, yeah. all of those people were like in there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was kind of like, oh, like 
these people. I might be no shit mixing up the ending of Hereditary with the ending of The Disappointments Room. I think I've forgotten the ending of Hereditary. Um... We don't need to dive into it. If you've not yeah. watched Hereditary, very like, the trailer is going to give you enough information to get through the intro. The trailer is going to scare the shit out of you. That movie is going to ruin your night. <laughs> I think what bothered me about it personally, and it could just be my personal preference, is I'm very big into not that literal, you know, bloody serial killer chasing you down horrors can't be done well. Like, I was a big fan of Nightmare on Elm, which, you know, to an extent yeah. that is psychological too, or, you know, like the original Halloween, like the original. Well, um, horror is very psychological. It's, but I, but yeah. I, I'm a very big fan of very strictly psychological horror. Like, I don't think that you need to necessarily... That's my favorite of all of them. Yeah, like, I don't think you necessarily need to have, like, blood and gore and all this crazy stuff to, like, be horrifying. And Hitchcock needed chocolate syrup to scare the fuck out of everybody in the (laughs) 1950s. After World War II. But, like, all of... London had been flattened. Japan decimated. Germany decimated. What scared everybody? A little chocolate syrup. Oh, that is a flushing. That is a chick being stabbed to death, though. That is a. I mean, they don't show it, but that is. But it's still a terrifying scene. Yeah, no, it is. I've seen it a hundred times, and like, I'm not saying I jump and curl and hide my eyes. I know exactly what it's coming. I can tell you three, two, one. She's pulling the curtain. (laughs) But it's like an unnerving scene, even post Saw era, post nine eleven. Hitchcock hit something with that angle, that shower murder. But I mean, like, even outside of that, like, granted, there are deaths in Hereditary. People do die in Hereditary, but I don't think... One of the most fucked up ones I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you necessarily need that level of physical trauma to make a movie scary. And just like I said, granted, there Mm -hmm. are people that die in Hereditary, but the movie heavily focuses on the psychological trauma of dealing with these things in your life and even pet cemetery like people do die in pet cemetery but it's very heavily focused on the psychological trauma of dealing with grief and stuff like that and that's why the end of hereditary bothered me because we went from this psychological concept to at the very end a literal like he couldn't leave it in that ambiguity yeah like i and like it's still incredible like it's very well done but like that we shifted gears suddenly at the tail end and it's like oh this is literally what was happening and i'm just like like don't do that bro yeah so i'm curious what he does with this other movie like i am very curious i want to see it on the basis of it's supposed to all happen in the daytime so there's no i didn't know that yeah there's no dark shots in the film at all it's all happening like outside in the middle of the day um he talks about his, his hatred of the jump scare. What was the other big thing that he talked Oh, he mentioned uh, horror needs to enter a place where we're comfortable sitting in the story for two to two and a half hours. And I was like, I've no horseshit had this discussion with Kristen <laughs> about how the horror needs to go on. Horror needs to... You need to be able to sit in it. And he was making a very similar um, argument in his uh, interview there. I read a... He was making a similar point where he says, uh, all too often horror, because of the jump scare tendency, wants to hit you fast and get gone. 
as opposed to like a good drama where you have to sit in it and get comfortable in it and it needs to like lull you into this and like the characters all develop and then when they get hurt it hurts you 10 times more so you need to be able to build the the whole beautiful story that like Coppola kind of um, built mm-hmm. to The Godfather for example where like fuck all happens for damn near an hour <laughs> You need to be able to just build those characters so that when Sonny gets killed, it rips your heart out. Well, it's not a horror film, but have you seen uh, Little Miss Sunshine? Mm. Oh, we're watching Little Miss Sunshine. It's uh, uh, actually, we've been binging The Office on days that we're stressed. Steve Carell is, is in it, and it's a serious role for Steve Carell. Like he's a. I want to see his one about the guy who got beat up in the back of the bar mm. and started building all the models. Yeah, that one looks good. Yeah. But uh, Steve Carell's character is this um, gay professor who fell in love with, I don't know if he was his assistant or it was another professor or what it was, but the dude ends up cheating on him and leaving from, for another professor. And like, this all happens before the film happens. You'd like come into him trying to commit suicide, slashing his wrists and like just a very depressed, dark character. Okay. Yeah. And so his sister like goes and gets him out of the hospital and brings him home to stay with her and like the whole family is essentially like that's kind of the theme of the film the father is trying to kickstart this pyramid scheme-esque type business and like he's anti being a loser you're not allowed to be a loser he's got the step program that you know if you follow the steps you'll succeed and you'll be a winner and nobody wants to be a loser and this is essentially a family of losers (laughs) like the uncle is this disgraced professor who tried to kill himself. Uh, the daughter is this little girl that, like, the whole premise is them trying to get her to this beauty mm. pageant, and she's a little kind of chubbier, like, for the story of the film. She's a cute little girl as Abigail Breslin, but um, for the story of the film, she's not beauty pageant material, and they're trying to get her into this beauty pageant that she's probably not going to win, and then... There's a teenage boy that's like taking a vow of silence because he wants to join the Air Force and he refuses to talk until he joins the Air Force so he doesn't speak. That'll make it a lot more difficult because when they go to like get your you know, well, security clearance and have to talk to your friends from when you grew up, and it's well, like, he, well like, he literally never spoke to anyone. So. <laughs> it's, like, it's like him trying, which the father kind of encourages, it is like him trying to prove his dedication. He's like, I've taken this vow of silence until yeah. I achieve this goal like that I want. like type lifestyle. Yeah, and like I don't remember if the mom works or not but they're kind of a maybe lower mid-class family and they're all like i said kind of like this ragtag group of like losers and like the whole film you sit through like their individual struggles and like each time one of them has like a heartbreaking moment you're just like oh god like will it ever end so like that film like very successfully pulls that off because you like take this whole journey to i think they're like trying to go to california for this pageant with them like and all this terrible shit keeps happening to them. And you're like, come on, like, just, can we get a win in here? It's a dark comedy, but it's really good. I might have to check that one. Yeah, it's a really good film. I, I like that. Like, Hamlet 2's a... Like one of the, it doesn't develop that far, and it doesn't character build that much. But like you're rooting for him the whole time, and you're like, this is gonna be a disaster. But please pull off the school play. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one actually. You brought it up rock before. Rock me, rock me, rock me, sexy Jesus. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I feel like I've been raped in the face. <laughs> 
the chick from the mom from Hereditary is the mom in Little Miss Sunshine. It's the yeah? same actress, yeah. God damn, I have to I have to give it a go. She was brilliant in that role, like that. Just I feel like she's a woman. very underrated actress. Yeah. I haven't seen her in a. Like, she's done a lot of very successful things, but I haven't seen her in a ton of stuff, and she's, yeah, like, spot on with, like, those kind of grief-stricken characters. Yeah, that's a tough role. Like, you... You you, you have to be able to cry on command, but you also, like, not cry on command. Like, I'm not giving away what happens inside the first 15 minutes of Hereditary, (laughs) in case you haven't seen Hereditary. But the mother loses her fucking mind immediately. Mm-hmm. And that level of just complete goddamn devastation is... I don't want to talk shit about her because I know what Kubrick put her through, but Kubrick damn near had to beat that woman to In get the her to act like she was scared of Jack Nicholson. Didn't she quit acting after that film? Yeah, she like gave up on her whole life because she was psychologically shattered. Still could not play as good of a role as the hysterical, broken, like, uh, like that, the rawness that was in the hereditary is lacking even in that performance. And that might just be because Jack Nicholson was there having a nervous breakdown, playing a nervous breakdown brilliantly, and they were probably all on acid. <laughs> I don't think the average scenes, like the, like, isn't there like a scene where they're all at like the breakfast table or something before they go to the hotel in The Shining? They're, they're like at their house doing yeah. something. And um, like, I don't think like the average scenes where you're having like a family moment, it felt very sincere like her acting was a little awkward and they didn't feel yeah, necessarily the like right at the very beginning is very strange yeah like, the like they don't they didn't work. have great chemistry yeah. in like these moments where they're supposed to be a family but she did have this which again he was mm-hmm. traumatizing her so that's part of it like in the scenes where nicholson is like busting down the door yeah, like she did have this very door, like yeah. traumatized nervous well, bird energy she, I think to at her at that point she was like <laughs> they might actually let me get killed by this goddamn nut job. or when he's like chasing her up the stairs mm-hmm. like she did pull off this like i don't want to hurt you nervous. i just want to bash your fucking brains in. <laughs> <laughs> she did have this like very nervous little like i said like almost like a nervous little bird energy yeah. about her like she pulled off her, that well they'd make her do it 40 some odd fucking times and they just kept <laughs> ramping Nicholson up and he's insane I mean he's legitimately beating people up with golf clubs he's probably okay now but when he was younger he wasn't all fucking there like Kubrick wasn't all there everybody was doing blow like it's fucking take 57 you got this dude screaming at you with a baseball bat getting too close yeah probably hit three or four people with the bat just to warm up chasing you up the stairs like like that and she still couldn't do it as well as the girl from hereditary i feel like that is a difficult thing to you have to amp up somebody to the level where holy fuck am i watching a snuff film and that is the talent that is the guy from Hereditary in Midsummer. I don't. I don't know that I want to give all the credit to. Well, I'm not giving it to him, but whatever happened on that film, you know, 
they tapped into something, yeah. which is it almost feels like you're watching a family fall apart in real time. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel like this is some overproduced scripted scripted yeah. thing. It, when she screams, there's a rawness that the audio engineer allowed into it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like I think, which I, you know, I'm sure like actors at that level are probably outside of just the jobs they take you know still like practicing maybe they go to like improv clubs or whatever you know but like there is like this imagine practicing that in your apartment and you're just doing a script read you're a fucking upstairs neighbor <laughs> thinks your kid just died <laughs> but there is this level of like rawness to some actors that you're like how did you get there even which I was telling you that Pacino's my favorite <laughs> I was telling you that <laughs> yesterday there are like a couple of like comedic actors out there that you don't expect to have that level of depth to their yeah. acting like Jim Carrey and uh which I know you haven't seen that one yet but Eternal Sunshine is yeah. heartbreaking or the number 23 yeah yeah which I haven't seen that one in forever so I don't really remember that one as well no, but Jim Carrey's greatest trick was doing those really funny, really dumb comedy movies and then completely switching gears to do Eternal Sunshine and a horror film. <laughs> and Eternal Sunshine really... You see him and you're uncomfortable because you're like, what's the funny guy doing here? Like, <laughs> like Eternal Sunshine really doesn't have... Not that I can think of really any funny moments in it. Like, it is a very, like, heavy, emotional film. Number 23 opens on a funny scene because he's a post guy and he's getting chased by a dog. And that one's funny because it's a callback to, like, one of his earlier movies. But then immediately it goes super goddamn dark. I can't rewatch that one. I haven't seen it. Writing on his wall with his blood and shit. (laughs) I I remember that vaguely, but I don't really remember what the film's Mm. about at all. But then, like, I watched. Stranger Than Fiction yesterday, which it's not like in that the same. Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, it's not in that same tier. It's not like in my top, you know, even fifty films well, it of is all time. Concept wise, execution wise, didn't quite like if like if you know what I'm trying to mm. say. Like there, there's some like kind of like hokey stuff in it. Like Will Ferrell is yeah. still kind of a little over the top at times, but like for someone who plays. These super over the top ridiculous roles, yeah. yeah, like Talladega Nights, like all these like over the top yeah. absurd films to like have this role that's like this uptight, very controlled, nervous character, and to very successfully pull that off, like there is a level of like acting. Like at the same there. time, right? Like when he was still playing Elf. <laughs> like was that like around the same time? I think so, but yeah. I'm not sure. I'm going to do look. this goofy Christmas movie. And, like, Stranger Than Fiction, like I said, is still a little goofy, but, like, he very believably pulls off this very controlled, like, I've got to calculate my whole world and my yeah. whole day, and I'm kind of a nervous little guy, like, so well. Like, it, like which he, he probably enjoyed these ridiculous comedy roles way more. Like, he's a comedian, you know, that's probably what he wanted to do, but, like... It makes me sad sometimes to see these actors that I'm like, holy fuck, you had that in you the whole time? Like, like let on, me see dude. some more of that. It would be funny, it would be like if you tried to do it the other way around. Which I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, the only one to successfully do that is Robert De Niro. But like, if you tried to take Al Pacino and put him in a comedy film and like really try to make you laugh, 
but De Niro and Meet the Fockers and Meet the Parents, like that whole like set of films. De Niro's goddamn hilarious, and he earned his way to that through Raging Bull, fucking <laughs> Taxi Driver, The Godfather Part Two. I feel like I like him better in serious roles. Like I like him. Meet the Fockers I lo- was good. I love him. It's like a family. I film. love him as a mobster, but he's typecast as a mobster. Mm-hmm. To like see him as like the dad of the family, almost like when you see Ray Liotta in something. Um, you're like, that's a gangster. Like, you feel like that dude's like a legitimate Brooklyn gangster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not. He's just an actor. He lives in California. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it'd be fun to see, like, Denzel Washington do a comedy movie. Like, does he make a good comedian? Or is he just fucking awesome at drama? Yeah, I don't know if he's ever done anything besides that. I mean, surely. I'd have to IMDb But he's done, him, like, those action dramas and stuff. Like, he doesn't do, like, strict just dramas. But I don't think I've ever seen him do a lighthearted Denzel's, role, though. Denzel's one of my favorite actors that's ever lived. I've, <laughs> I've probably owned five or six of his films, but there's a neighbor walking back and forth outside, so... No, I didn't even notice. Is it distracting you? A little bit. <laughs> It's still super dark out. Like, I'm waiting for, like, a storm to just, like, roll in. You know what would be fun? What? If they remade Misery, you know Misery, Mm -hmm. with Roseanne Barr. Ugh. No. No? No. Like, not as a comic. I I can't remember. Roseanne Barr. No, I can't remember that actress's name, but she is the queen of, like, slightly unhinged characters. You don't think Roseanne is... Slightly she, unhinged. She's not got the acting chops to pull off that role. Have you seen Roseanne? Yeah. I, I watched I, that as a kid. You're on a public what forum that, right now that? shooting shots at Roseanne What is that Barr. actress's name? Crap. Exactly. You know Roseanne no, Barr. Well, just because she's lost her shit. But no, that, that lady that played... She's brilliant. She's fucking hilarious. No. She was okay in Roseanne. I've always thought she was kind of annoying, though. Kristen's she's like, a liberal and she's funny people make mistakes. Kathy Bates. Yeah, sad. no. Kathy Bates is queen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Roseanne Barr has nothing on Kathy Bates. What has Kathy Bates done with her life? She's done a lot of stuff. She, uh, she was in... Um, I'm on a public forum taking shots at Kathy Bates, but Kathy Bates isn't going to come over here and cut my Have you ever seen Roseanne. Fried Green Tomatoes? That's an old film she mm. did, but that was good. She, uh, she's done American Horror Story. Um, That's right. She is an American Horror Story. Uh, I don't know. She's done a lot of stuff. I, that's one time. that I forget about, but holy fuck, what a show. Yeah, she's in The Office, too. We haven't gotten that far. But yeah, she's in The Office. What I a forgot. fucking show American Horror Story was. You seen those? Uh, I stopped at... I definitely saw up to Covenant, which is only like Covenant the third season. Covenant fucking next level. Really? I didn't like Covenant. Oh, I think I saw the Mental Asylum one. Was that after Covenant? That Mental may have been. Asylum was the first one. No, the first one's the haunted house that they move into. That's right. And then there's... Let's see. American yeah, Horror Story. I don't know if it'll I think the Mental Asylum it. Season 2, and then the Coven Season 3. And then the Circus is 4. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I saw part of the circus one. And, and then, five is the serial killer hotel. Which I, I know they do that a lot. Like, even in the very first one, they had the, like, latex sex suit where the mom gets 
essentially raped. Like, she willingly has sex, but she thinks it's her husband wearing this suit. Yeah. So, like, I know that there were elements in that from, or like that from the very beginning, but I stopped at the circus one because the weird sexualization of the dude with the crab hands, I was kind of like, I feel like we're weirdly sexualizing shit just to sexualize shit. You know, shit. that's and a real dude. Off. No, I did not. That was Is a real it? guy. I yeah. did not know that. They, the clown community killed him. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, I can't remember his name right now, but there's a whole uh, last podcast on the left series on the lobster-handed guy. Like, that's based on a real dude. Hmm. Like, he was, like, king of the circus, but he was, like, the angriest son of a bitch ever, and because of the way his hand was, he could beat the shit out of people. Came from a family of, like, lobster-claw-handed people who would beat the shit out of people, and he was a tough Hmm. dude. Like... You know, like raped and killed somebody or a couple of people. I did not know yeah, that. The clown community fucked him up. But yeah, that was why, I, like, that was at the point that I stopped watching. <coughs> it was, like, weirdly put off by, they were like, yeah, this dude's just lobster claw fucking everyone. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is, like, awkward. Like, we're losing. I felt like it was, like, drifting away from, like, the scariness into, like, let's just hypersexualize everything. Well, they everything. did that with Lady Gaga. See, I didn't watch that season yeah, at all. Immediately. Like, she's a serial killer and her boyfriend's a serial killer and they, like, have threesomes and then, like, cut the throats and fuck on silk sheets and covered in blood. And I'm into that. But, <laughs> I mean, like... You have to have the sex and the violence. And violence and the sex. And you need to turn the audience on with both at the same I f- time. I feel like it has to be intentional, though. Like, um, the Haunted House one... Like, there was, like, the sexualization stuff, like, the latex suit thing, like, came in later, but, like, it focused on, like, the kind of horror and the trauma and the weird and stuff like that and, like, built into that and, like, it felt purposeful. I was like, okay, this is a little uncomfortable to watch, but there's a purpose to it. Mm -hmm. And then, like, by the time I got to the circus one, I was like, it feels like we're just, like, throwing it in there just to be edgy. Like, it It didn't didn't feel... feel authentic. Yeah, it didn't feel intentional to me. No, it's the the brilliance of good horror. Um, Because this is going to take way too long to explain. Uh, Fuck, but... Serial murder is called serial sexual homicide because it's a penetrative act normally done with a knife or a choking thing. Like, these are extremes of sexual activities. You're not taking your penis and putting it inside of a woman. You're taking a knife and stabbing her in the chest. Uh, but it's sex. Even the... It's destructive sex. And so it needs to be in the genre. It's repulsive. But if you can give your audience a level of shame by watching Lady Gaga roll around naked and silk covered in blood. Well, even that one, <laughs> which I didn't, I didn't watch it to be fair. Or Marilyn so. Manson and the old days, you know, for yeah. example. Any of those music videos, the same video where they're like biting each other and ripping out parts of flesh and it's just blood and sex and rock and roll. You know? Which I didn't watch Hotel, so to be fair, watching it, I might not feel that way, but like, with the Lady Gaga one, like, in theory, I might have even been willing to accept that because there is that lady that was bathing in young maiden's blood mm-hmm. to keep her youth and her beauty and stuff yeah. like that so I might have been like okay it's kind of in that vein of like there's this ritualistic element behind bathing in blood so 
Like, I might have been, it was just like, it felt weird, because they were just like, oh, all these girls are like, hey, like, you want to hook up with Lobster Boy? Because, you know, he really, yeah. like, makes you climax good. <laughs> I'm like, this is silly. Like, this doesn't feel... It tickled your G-spot with his lobster. Yeah, no, it felt stupid. It felt like it was being edgy for the sake of being edgy, and I was just like, um, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I think in horror, you have to be willing to dive into places like that. Like, you're not going to scare anybody if everybody's comfortable. There's a reason why you get nervous to go to the strip club for the first time. Yeah, I've never been to a strip club. It's a place. Never? Yeah. Been to a sex shop. I've never been to a strip club. similar feeling, you know. It's like there's a grimy element. There might be a guy selling drugs outside. It is weird, because, like, that, again, has nothing to do with the podcast whatsoever. But, yeah, you do feel kind of awkward walking in. Like, the person working there is judging you, and then you're like, but they work here. Yeah, this guy signs his taxes. <laughs> it's like you feel weirdly judged, but it's like, but you come here every day. This is life. Horror, you have to be able to like really find that line. Like you have to get right up in it. You're not trying to scare the people that live on that element. You're trying to scare the people that have the nine to five job who've never been in a strip club. Like <laughs> you need to be able to be like, there's this whole other deranged thing three blocks down the road that you're not a part of. It's called a meth house. <laughs> and I think that's part of why um, gore porn bothers me. Which, granted, I know that there gore are porn. Yeah, like literal gore porn or like hostile. Like hostile. Oh, okay. It's what those type of films are classified as. No, we have entirely different types of, you know, I don't mean literal. I don't mean literal porn where people are... So I can't beat off unless there's an eviscerated sheep and you slap me in the face with its raw bladder while it's still Films that are classified as gore porn. Um, I think that's part of why those bother me is like, I know that there are like serial killers and stuff out there that have existed that literally just get off on torture and violence and blood and all that. So I know that that does that's actually the majority of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and like I, I I know that that stuff does actually exist in the world, but um, psychologically, I guess we're still as a society struggling to understand why that exists, that's why, why these it's people. Terrifying. Yeah. yeah, like, why these people exist, why they feel this way, like, what's going on in their brain. So, like, films where you have a killer that's killing, you know, with a purpose, or, like, films where there's violence with a purpose, like, I can mentally compensate the violence to some extent. It's like, oh, there's a reason that this is happening, or we've built up to this moment, so this is happening with this intention, but then films like Hostel or you know, saw when it got a bit more extreme, um, feel like violence for the sake of violence. And like, I have a hard time, I guess, like mentally, like reconciling that. So like, it's excessively because they lost the plot near the end of Saul. Hostile one, brilliant. See, I, I have no excuses for the rest of the Hostile series. Mm-hmm. And like films like that. But did period. you watch all the Hostiles? Because it was a, it was a club of, of rich people that were paying to kill people. Which is fantastic, and it's basically the entire premise of um, that the movie about the uh, the one day the the purge. Mm-hmm. It's basically the purge smaller scale. 
Yeah, it's been, I saw it when yeah. it came out. I think I saw the first two, and that was it. Yeah, it's rich people who pay to go to these locations in Amsterdam to kill tourists. They pay crazy money to be put in a room where they've got all the tools necessary to get rid of the body, and they can kill somebody for like five hundred thousand dollars. See that, like with that, it's a brilliant point. But you have to make it in a very violent way because if you just paid five hundred thousand dollars, kind of like you would do if you were going out on the Serengeti to kill an elephant, how would you do it? What gun would you bring? See, I wouldn't. Uh, like, I think that's why. Like, I have mentally and emotionally a hard time with those type of movies because it's like I can't reconcile like violence and excessively violent sex sexualization I'm having a hard time with that word today for some reason <laughs> like for no because you grew up in a Christian household you got a lot of shame not. attached to it did not nudity. my parents were not particularly overly religious people you quit um but yeah like I have a hard time I guess, like, mentally and emotionally reconciling the point behind that kind of stuff. So it's, I don't know, like, hard to watch. Like, if I'm, I'm watching a film where it's just, like, there's blood and guts and intestines spilling out everywhere, but we haven't, like, built to this and there's not, like, really a reason it's happening. I'm just kind of like, ah, like, I don't like it's a... No, it's done poorly. It's done really poorly. At the clown movie, you weren't too fond of because there wasn't a whole lot of point to that level of violence. But <laughs> even that, it was there was only one death that I was like, "That's cringy. I can't watch it." The rest of it was like, "This is silly. <laughs> like this is just painful to watch." Well, I saw one through three. I I never felt like they were excessively violent films. They are very, very, very violent films, but for the point of what the film is trying to say. I was 100% on board. I was like, no, he has to cut his fucking foot off to get out of this trap. Make me feel like I sympathize with this guy. But even with those, which I'm not saying Saul wasn't well done, like Saul was well done, it did get kind of ridiculous later on, but like even with those, like there's a difference in, um, like I want you to die, so I'm just gonna shoot you and kill you because I want you to die, and I want you to learn a lesson, so I'm gonna torture you to some extent. And like, in what was that? It was like Saw Two or something where Amanda gets shoved into the pit of needles. Is that two? Yeah. Yeah. Like that wasn't her trap. That's yeah. The point of the scene. I know, but. Yeah. Like, that level of, like, weirdly... I'm having a hard time thinking of how I want to explain it. It's like... Intense moment. Well, no. It's, it's, a, it's a level of violence that's strictly torturous. Like, it won't kill you. It's gonna hurt like hell. And, like... I, I, like it is this weird, almost, like, sexualization of violence. Like... I want to hurt you so that you can hurt instead of like it doesn't feel I don't know why does it bother you because it, it, it feels like there's like a level of pleasure in causing someone else pain and well, like because I can't they're trying to give you the angle of the killer and the situation but that the... voyeuristic moment of that's not her trap 
a man was supposed to go in there. Mm -hmm. She is shoved into that yeah, position. Yeah, I remember She that. is penetrated in a world of hell as a junkie. That wasn't where she was supposed to go. She had a different trap. Yeah, I remember that. But it's just like it feels... I don't know. I have a, I'm having a hard time explaining it, but it, it feels like, I don't know. Like, like mobster movies where they cut off your fingers. It's like, I, I want you to live to feel the pain. Like, that's... Like but I, again, works in Casino when uh, he's got that dude's head in a vice grip and spins it around until his eyes pop out of his fucking head. He goes, ah, there you go. You got your eyes popped out of your fucking head. <laughs> Casino is a motherfucker. Also based on a true story. It's got uh, fucking Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. And Joe Pesci plays this goddamn psychopath who's based on a real guy in the vice grip scenes, based on a real thing, but he stabs a dude with a pen at one point in the movie, spins a dude's temples in a vice grip until his eyes pop out. It, no, it, it, excessive violence is uh, if it always makes sense it's never going to feel authentic well, I'm not, I'm not post 9-11 excessive violence can only feel authentic but spontaneous I'm not saying that even bad stuff isn't authentic because again there are you know serial killers have existed. There are people who genuinely exist in the world that take pleasure specifically from causing pain, but I guess because I don't feel that way, that's why I have a hard time. I don't feel that way either. Oh, I'm not saying that you do. I don't out on the street stabbing hookers. <laughs> I've just read a lot of books about people who've run out on the street stabbing I'm hookers. Not <laughs> I'm not saying that you do. I'm just saying I guess that's why those type of films like bother me, because like, if someone broke into our apartment and tried to, you know, kill me or kill you or rape me or whatever, like, we have guns, like, I, I could in that moment reconcile shooting and killing someone else to That's protect... That's the only time you should. Yeah. To, to protect yourself or somebody else. Yeah, like, I can reconcile that, so I'm, like, to an extent, like, I can reconcile violence that's intentional, but, like, I would never be like, hey, I'm gonna sit you down and poke your eyes out or chop your fingers off because I want you to be alive to feel this pain so like excessively gory films you like, could at a level I wouldn't I'm not, I'm not saying <coughs> we're gonna workshop this idea you've gotta quit doing that if you break that spring this whole thing doesn't work if anymore if break that spring that spring was dog shit if you break that spring this whole setup doesn't work anymore you have a child I wouldn't torture someone you have a child. Your child is kidnapped and I tortured. Torture and someone. you're sent ransom letters that have a child's toe in them once a month. It says, you still haven't come up with $500,000. Here's the pinky toe. Next week, the toe next to the pinky toe. You got ten toes. You do that for ten months. And then you, after your kid's been killed, have them alone in a cabin. Psychologically, do you think you just shoot them in the head? I'd like to think I wouldn't kill them at all. I'd like to think I'd turn them in. But if I was going... I think I would boil them alive. If I was going to <laughs> kill them, yes, I would just shoot them and kill them. Like, I, I wouldn't torture someone else. Like, I... 
And I think, like, I so think that's you'd why. be shattered to a point where you would. No, I mean, like, There's I've had. We, you know, when a father, like, the, 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 the video you can pull up online of the guy who was in the airport in the 90s. His kid had been molested by this dude who then fled the country. And the marshals flew the guy back into the country. And the dude was in the airport with a pistol, blew his goddamn head off right there in the middle of the airport. Well, it's an immediate death, though. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that but you I'm should saying do that. If he but... had that dude, I'd be paying male prostitutes to rape the guy who raped my son. Yeah, like no, like I, would... I did days of male prostitutes. Fuck you. <laughs> I could very easily see myself getting into a very fucked up place, you know, under the proper circumstances. Like, law-abiding citizen. Your wife and child have just been raped and murdered by this gang, and now you have to take them out. You have to go. Go to war. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not possible. I don't understand getting cancer and then having to, like, bear claw people to fucking... Or not bear claw, bear trap people to oh, get yeah. them to reverse their ways. I'm not saying that, that <laughs> level of violence. But, like, a person who's psychologically snapped or a character that's psychologically snapped, I can kind of... I, I can relate to them because I've been pissed off enough in a bar to throw a bottle at a person. Like... <laughs> saying that it doesn't happen there's definitely i've had like very low like emotional points when i was like having like a harder time with my depression where like i mentally didn't feel quite like myself and like my like actions and stuff probably weren't quite in character with myself but um like i i get like people you know snap and stuff all the time but i guess like i have never which, I mean, yeah, I guess you can't really know what would happen to you if you literally had, like, a psychological complete breakdown. So, I mean, I guess there is a world where I could be someone who would torture someone to I death. I think if somebody but... ever hurt you or, like, our kid or, you know, like, in that type of a situation where it's like you've crossed a fucking line and I am going to do some horrific shit to you. Until I feel like the justice has been served. I wouldn't do it over getting cut off in traffic. Like those types of things. Like, but the like point is... We, we, we had a kid and like the, a kid punched our kid. It's going to take everything in my power not to beat up the other kid's dad. <laughs> like when they bring me over to the school and I'm like, fuck! Can't hit the kid, I'm in you. Yeah, I can't beat up this six-year-old, <laughs> so I guess I got to knock out all of his dad's teeth just to put <laughs> these bastards back on a fucking flat plane. <laughs> that, that's the... <laughs> that's the point. That I'm lives making. in me. I was created <laughs> by your government. Don't fucking... <laughs> That's the point I'm making. I guess that's why those type of films bother me is I've never had a moment where I felt like I could justify purposely just drawing out hurting someone else. Like like I said, if somebody broke in to our house and was like gonna kill, you know, you or me or both of us or whatever, like I could justify like I have to protect if Somebody us. kicks my dog in a park, I might fucking <laughs> kidnap their child. No. <laughs> uh Trying to have a serious conversation with you. 
Go ahead. No. <laughs> no, but that's that was the point I was getting at. Like, I guess that's why that stuff bothers me because I've never mentally hit a point where I could reconcile. Like, to an extent, I could reconcile taking a life if you really had to, and there was no other way out of the situation. Like, I'd probably try to shoot their leg or something first. But if someone's pointing a gun that's at you or me, no, right? well, I'm just saying, like, you know, hypothetically. But if someone came in and they had a gun, if there's an opportunity to kill them first before they kill, you know, me or you, I'm probably going to shoot them. Mm-hmm. But I can't reconcile, like, drawing out torture. So, like, excessively gory torture films. I'm like, oh, God, like, really? <laughs> I think it makes sense, but you need to make it make sense. It makes sense in Saw, and then you understand, like, slowly. Saw. Like, that, that what that lesson is that he's trying to treat you know, and if you just follow the instructions, you're going to be okay. He's not trying to kill you. He's trying to scar you. That point, like, there's one of the kills where it's, like, fucking eight kitchen knives are, like, mm. spring-loaded you right in front of the face. Because it fucks his face up. And he has to push through it to get rid of his vanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... It's not going to kill you. I promise you it's not going to kill you. All you have to do is sacrifice the only thing you care about so you can get back to what matters. Amanda's torture doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, the bear trap because or whatever that you can't was, get out of. Yeah, the other guy was still alive. And so Amanda had to kill a man to unlock her trap. That's the only one that's, like, really bugged me. When he says, don't leave this room, and the Saw movie unravels uh, because they left the room. If they would have stayed in the room, they would have found the antidote. Which I don't remember um, which Saw film that was, or if that was at the point that Amanda was the one doing the tortures, or what, because I know when Amanda was doing it, they were intentionally sinister versus you know you learn a lesson but there's that one where the guy accidentally killed the man's daughter or son or something he accidentally killed the other guy's yeah, child yeah that's like four that's where it starts to go off the rails yeah, and they when had Amanda like, gets killed this... and the jigsaw both die like this in the same movie I can't remember. Yeah, he, gets like his, I just... he gets his throat cut with a buzzsaw. She gets shot when he comes in the door. No, this is a... He wakes up in the crate. No, this is a, a scene where it's an African-American actor that's like in this like oh, body Oh, crucifix. Body. Yeah. No, we're and talking about the same movie. I'm just talking about the bones and yeah. snaps them that's like the one by one until it his snaps daughter. his neck. Yeah. yeah, he accidentally kills the other guy's kid. Like it's not intentional. Yeah. And then he's sitting there watching that guy die. Has a change of consciousness after a bone or two. But then the dude dies anyway. Yeah, because he can't save him. But there's... But that's not Jake Saul's plan. That's a man's. Okay, so yeah, I guess <laughs> you can write that off. Them, but I was like, but there's like, like this guy accidentally killed the kid. It wasn't like I'm purposely gonna kill her, you know. And then they like very slowly, torturously kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm gonna break all your bones and then snap they your froze neck. And I'm just like, woman oh. to death. I don't remember. I don't think I've seen that. That was right before that scene. Mm-hmm. She's naked and she's strapped up, and they've got uh, it's like in a meat freezer, but it's like crazy fucking. It's like uh, what what do you call it? Not nitroglycerin. Um, uh, cold shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, whatever. 
but they've got that whole thing running through bars. And so he has to reach through bars and burn patches of his skin to get the key so that he can, you know, turn off the sprinkler system. And the whole time, there's just a sprinkler system. Ugh. And it's like a witness who came forward who would have stopped the dude from, you know, getting out of jail, but she was a coward and, like, she never came forward. You know, he, he tries to save her life, but yeah. by the time he gets the key, her lock's completely fucking frozen. Huh. Yeah. Saul doesn't fuck around. I'm going to make you revisit Saul from a poetics angle because it's fucked up and people think it's only fucked up. I think there's some seriously good lessons on there. But I have to pee, and we are hitting an hour 16, so I'm we tapping have out of this. wings that are marinated yeah, gotta that throw we're about those. to go cook. Got to throw those in the oven, so. We finally found a rhythm there after a little while. <laughs> Weird conversation. Sorry, guys. Uh, Call sex and violence, I guess. You not know? into that kind of stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, we did stu- technically talk about film and writing. And- <laughs> And coral. <laughs> Dust. <laughs> See, that's how we got on this topic. Whether or not you're hurting the coral led to yeah. way more graphic conversations. And if you cut pieces off of a kid, um, they don't grow back. Aww. We're not lizards, except for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> All right, and you can find us on <laughs> Instagram. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, at Nightmare Box Productions. Fred is forever trying to push my buttons. Uh, Twitter is at Nightmare Box Pro. And email. Uh, that would be Nightmare Box Productions False. at Gmail. Can I finish it? <laughs> give, a, give a girl half a glass of wine. She gets awfully uppity. <laughs> I haven't had wine in a while. My, uh, my inner sassy girl. Fossbook. Uh, that would be facebook.com slash nightmareboxproductions. Website. You're eternally forgetting the website. Our uh, website? <laughs> where you can go read stuff and download this and buy the book. Buy the book. Uh, that would be the nightmarebox.blog. Is that everything? Yes. Ooh, YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash Kristen Pennington. Definitely go over to YouTube. We've I, I went over there the other day to... to, 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 to to do the resume and found out that we were over 5,000 on the doll. Yeah, we're at like 5,600. Yeah, we're fucking crushing the game. <laughs> so go over there, watch the dolls, watch all the other things Kristen's been up to, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. I love you. I love you. And I love you. See you later. <laughs>